You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the river. I'm going to show you some things about faith in the name of Jesus tonight that I believe is really going to bless you. It's a topic that isn't taught enough in church, and that is having faith in the name of Jesus. And when I make the statement, expect a lot, what I'm basically saying is this. If you don't expect a lot when you pray in the name of Jesus, you may get victory that day, but you probably not win the battle. In other words, too often people ask for too little. They believe for too little. And the result of that is they never really get set free from the error in the life that they want. See, one of the things that Satan will always do when he attacks us, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Is he will send reinforcements after he attacks you. So if he didn't ask for a lot, the chances are you may have enough uh, victory for that day, but the next day and the next day and the next day, your faith may waver and you have trouble. So I'm encouraging you tonight to say to yourself, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to ask for a lot. Because I want to win the battle in my marriage. I want to win the battle in my finances. I want to win the battles in my health. I want to win the battles in whatever God has me doing in my life. Can you say amen, everybody? All right. Now, the text we're going to use tonight is found in Acts chapter 3. So look on if you would. And it says this in verse 1. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which he called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention. Now watch this. Expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankles and bones received strength. So he was leaping up, stood, walked into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Now, I know that most of you know that story, but I'm going to show you some things about it. First of all, I want you to notice it was, it was the ninth hour this miracle took place. The ninth hour for a Jew is 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, you might say, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Well, it does in this respect. The Jews would pray at 9 in the morning, 12, and then 3 in the afternoon. So this was the last prayer before the next day because the next day for a Jew was 6 that evening. That's how they measured the days. Now here's the part I want you to see that's powerful. Jesus, when he went to the cross, and towards the end when he paid the price, it says this. He said, it is finished and he commended his spirit to the Lord, and that's when he died. And it says that he died on the ninth hour. So he died at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I think that's significant. 
Because this whole miracle is about the power of the name of Jesus. Can you follow me so far? And so I want you to grasp that, and I want you to understand something that this man received because he was in a state of expectancy. If a person is not in a state of expectancy, they're not going to be able to receive from the Lord what salvation will bring you. Now, what's crazy about the story is that he received a miracle in his life that he wasn't intentionally expecting to happen. You know, the day that he went to get alms, during the day he would be out there begging all day long, he wasn't expecting that it would change his life forever. He wasn't expecting that he, his life would be altered and a, and a problem that he had with his ability to walk would be corrected that day. He didn't expect that. But here's the part that I want you to see. Many people, they come to church and they expect, but they don't expect enough. I'm telling you the name of Jesus can change your life so much it can change your whole life one moment if one would just expect. If we can expect that when we go to church, hear church, that God's going to minister to us in a great way. And don't limit what he can do in your life. Remember, it's unlimited, and the Holy Spirit can minister to you and set you free. Praise God. Amen. Now, this state of expectancy was needed for him to receive his miracle. But again, he wasn't personally expecting at that moment when Peter and John came by that he was going to end up walking. But what did Peter and John say? Silver and gold have we none, but what we have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he grabbed them by the hand and pulled them up. Now, from those words, faith came into him where he did expect to rise up and walk, or he never would have tried to get up. Can you say amen? amen? Now, I'm saying this because I want you to see something. There's a difference between what Romans 12:3 says concerning your faith and what 1 Corinthians 12, verse 9 says concerning the gift of faith that operates as the Spirit wills. Let me explain what I'm saying. When you got saved, you got to measure faith. Can you say Amen. That faith can grow and develop to a place where mountains can be moved in your life. There's no doubt about that. But the faith that he received this day, I believe, was the gift of faith that was administered by the Spirit to him. And you say, well, how can you say that? Because most people's faith doesn't grow that fast to have faith to be cured from an incurable disease that they've had all their life. Amen? So that's my personal opinion. I believe it was the gift of faith. Now, what's interesting is in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11, it says, and to another, it's talking about the nine manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit, said to another faith, and the word there, another, is the Greek word heteros. Now, when you see in your Bible the word uh, 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 another, or another, it can either be the word alos or the word heteros, either one of those. Alos means of the same kind. Heteros means of a different kind. In other words, the gift of faith that comes on a person by the Holy Spirit for a moment or a season 
while the miracle's taking place, is a different kind of faith than the faith that you got when you received Christ. And that doesn't mean that we can't move mountains. It doesn't mean that we can't do the impossible. It doesn't mean that you can't get cured of incurable diseases. It doesn't mean that you can't have the miraculous happen in your life. But you have to grow that faith that you received when you accepted Christ. Say grow. What you say and what you act on will grow in your life. As you speak in faith and you act in faith, your faith will, in fact, grow in that, grow in that area. Now, here, here's the beauty thing about it. Jesus, three times in the four Gospels, talks about faith that does the impossible. He says if you have mustard seed faith. Say mustard seed faith. Mustard seed was a plant, and if you're a gardener, you can appreciate this, that would grow in clay. It would grow in wetlands. It would grow in sand. It would grow in dry dirt. In other words, Jesus is saying... If you have this kind of faith that'll grow in every situation, you'll be able to say unto this mountain, be plucked up and cast in the sea, and it will obey you. Now, I want you to see that because we may not have the gift of faith come on us for our miracle, but that doesn't mean you can't get your miracle. Jesus never talked about the gift of faith in removing mountains. He talked about the measure of faith you received when he talked about removing mountains in your life. Amen? Amen? That's why his disciples were scolded because they should have been able to cast the demon out of that boy by the measure of faith that they had. But because they didn't put their flesh under and their emotions got the best of them, their faith did not work in that situation. So in this story... God is showing how powerful the name of Jesus is. He's showing us that the name of Jesus is so powerful that something that is impossible can be overcome by faith in that name. And how many know getting you saved was impossible? You were blind. You were terrible. You were negative. You didn't want God or anything else. It took it took the Holy Spirit to come on your hide and get you to accept Christ. Can you say amen? amen? So I wanted to look at that because there's an expectation in your faith that is needed, and you got to expect that God can carry out and bring to pass in your life whatever it is that you need that is impossible. Once you know the will of God, you're in a fine space or place, and God will bless you. Now, let me say something here at this point that some of you need to remember. You can have someone with great faith preaching or just someone with great faith on their job. And someone can be sick, and just because that person has great faith, the one that is sick is not going to get healed unless they exercise their faith and receive it. Now we know that because Jesus had the spirit without measure. Jesus had great faith yet at his own hometown he could not do any mighty miracles because of their unbelief. Now if Jesus is held up from other people's unbelief, how much more will you? 
So here's the point I want you to see. This man acted on the faith that came on him. Without it, Peter and John could have never rose him up. And so if you want to expect great things in your life, you've got to understand that God has given us the name of Jesus. And that name is above every problem. It's above every cancer. It's ab above every lack. It's above every problem. It's above every frustration. That name is so powerful that demons shudder from it, that angels respond to it, that creation itself is subject to that name. And see, what most Christians, when they use the name of Jesus, they just look at it more like a formula that they pray in prayer. I'm asking this in Jesus' name. No, it's faith in the name that raised him up. It wasn't just prayer. Did you know this? And this is an important truth. The apostles under Jesus' ministry, we have no record of them praying for anybody during the three and a half years that Jesus was doing his ministry. They went around and they had faith in his name. In Jesus' name, they commanded sick bodies to be well. In Jesus' name, they commanded demons to come out of people. In Jesus' name. In other words, they didn't pray because they didn't need to have the Father speak to them. They had Jesus. And everything Jesus said came from the Father. Amen? Amen. And so in the, in the text, I want you to see this. So they always used faith in the name of Jesus. That's how they removed mountains. That's how they healed the heart. That's how they restored marriages. That's how they did all that. It was by the name of Jesus having faith in it. Hallelujah. And you know, when the early church first started, they didn't get on their case because they had Bible studies. They didn't get on their case because they got together. They told them, the high priest told them this, we don't want you to teach or preach in the name of Jesus. Don't use that name for anything. Why? Because people were being healed when that name was exercised. People were being set free when they... See, you weren't saved because you prayed. You were saved because you confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. You put faith in his name, and your confession was made unto salvation. The name of Jesus is what gave the early church the power that it had. The faith of God was released through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, that God had exalted on this earth, but when Jesus ascended up high, he exalted his name even higher above everything. Let me say this to you. The power of the gospel is found in Jesus, period. Faith comes by hearing, and you'll see different translations, hearing by a word about Christ. Faith doesn't just come from reading the Word. It comes when you see Christ in the Word. Now, some people translate Romans uh, uh, 10, 17 differently. 
They say that faith comes by the word of God, and it doesn't really matter because John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, so the word was Jesus. Amen? But faith only comes from Christ. The power in your life is from him. Everything the Holy Spirit does in your life, it is to represent Jesus. Everything he says is what Jesus is saying to you. Everything he leads is Jesus leading in your life. It's all about Jesus because Jesus, God has exalted to the right hand of the Father. And all I do Sunday and Wednesday and whenever is try to give people a revelation on who Jesus is. That's all I'm doing. That's why Paul in his prayer in Ephesians, he prayed this. And listen carefully. I'm going to go through this very slowly. He says this. He says that God of the Lord Jesus Christ, notice he mentions Jesus, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in him. Him is referring to Jesus. Then he goes on and says, the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. That you might know, now watch this, the hope of his calling, not yours, his. Say his. And what is, now watch this, and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance, not yours, in his saints? And then he goes on and said, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power, talking about Jesus, Towards us, glory to God, I'm so excited about that. Are you catching all the emphasis on Jesus? He says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according as as that mighty power worked in him, which he used to raise Jesus from the dead and seated him in heavenly places, far above all principality, powers, and dominion? Whew. And made him head, Jesus, over the church. Oh, gosh. And it says that he made made him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Here's the point I'm trying to see. It's loaded with Jesus. When you have faith in his name, you have faith not only what Jesus accomplished, but what, but what Christ will do for you when you're in trouble. When you pray in the name and you're praying his will, you can rest assured that Jesus will glorify his Father through what you pray. You can rest assured that when the Father answers your prayer, it's to glorify the Son. It's always about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. And most Christians, this is why in politics you never see people saying, in the name of Jesus. Because they want to, how do I say, please everybody. But you listen to me. Peter said this to the religious leader. There is no other name that can bring salvation but Jesus. There is no other religion no other means. And he told them that, and they told him, listen, we don't want you guys to use that name anymore. Of course, they went out and disobeyed him. Praise God. 
Perfect rebellion in the right way. Amen? But the point I want you to see is that it's wrapped up in the name. It's not just a name. It's an exalted name. It says it's far above all principalities and powers. And then it says this, in every, every name that is named in this age and in the age to come. Do you know what that means? It means simply this. It means the name of Jesus is effective and powerful to its full measure in this age as well as the age to come. Now, when you talk to most Christians, it seems like they don't believe that. Because they're all waiting, well, once Jesus gets back, everything's going to change. He's going to put everything under his feet. Listen, he, his name was exalted to its ultimate level in the resurrection. When he comes back, that name isn't going to be exalted anymore. It's exalted as far as it can be right now. Right now, the name of Jesus can heal you. Right now, the name of Jesus can pay your bills. Right now, the name of Jesus can heal your family. Right now, the name of Jesus can deliver you from whatever it is in your life that you're suffering with. But you have to have faith in that name, which, again, I feel is lacking in the church, that we don't really have faith in the name like we should. And this affects our expectation. See, expectation works this way. Faith expectation, that is. If you're up here with a faith expectation, then all these things you can receive, which are big things. But if your expectation is too low, you may need what's up here, and you're not going to be able to get it. In other words, at every level of expectation are things that you can believe are going to happen in your life that God promises. But if you're not of a high expectation, you may be expecting here, but your miracle is up here, and you'll never be able to do it. How many understand what I'm saying? So it's important that we believe in his name, and we expect, just like this man expected to walk that day. We expect Jesus to set us free. And some of you, you're going to be the first in your family to see miracles in your life that you've never seen before. I'm prophesying right now. You're going to be first. You're going to be the first that gets out of the gutter into the abundant life. You're going to be the first that uh, has a heritage of, of the Lord that goes from one generation to the next. You're going to be the first to get a supernatural breakthrough in your life that has never happened in any of your ancestors or anybody in your family. You're going to be the first because this was the first of a miracle here in Acts 2. It was the first time someone that was born blind or born crippled was healed. First time. No record that Jesus ever doing that. And then you find, come on, praise God. The first... You'll be the first multimillionaire in your house. I'd get excited right then. I'd say, come on, come on, come on, come on. Or the first family members that stayed married your whole life. I'll tell you what, the longer you've been married, the better it is if you really work on your marriage. It's always better. I've known my wife for 50 years, and I'm blessed from it. She made me a better man. Amen? Praise God for, for sticking with someone. Anyway, I don't want to preach on marriage tonight. But I want you to see that because I think sometimes we miss that 
and we forget the purpose of it. I want you to write this down. This is in Psalm 62, verse 5. It says, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. Oh, glory to God. In other words, what he's saying is, and my expectation is not in what man can do, it's in what God can do. Now, this is why everything that we do, we should do it in the name of Jesus. Uh, that's what it says in Colossians 3.17. It said, whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. If you got a career, do it in the name of Jesus. If you're getting married, do it in the name of Jesus. Hey, come on, if you're going to develop a, a sport, do it in the name of Jesus. If you're going to raise children, do it in the name of Jesus. Because when you do that, God alone is your source that you're expecting God to come through and minister in a great way. Amen. I'm pretty excited right now. Now, let me explain something that sinks a lot of people's faith. It's the difference between hope and faith. You can have hope without faith, but you can't have faith without hope. Let me say it again. You can have hope without faith, but you can't have faith without hope. And a hope is that earnest expectation that whatever you believe for, God will eventually bring it to pass in your life. Do you follow what I'm saying? You're believing God for that breakthrough. You've already, God's already heard you, you have faith for it, but it is that hope, which is that earnest expectation, God will not let me down. Sure as I'm standing here, God's going to change my life in this area. Because you have faith, a lot of people are just hoping, hoping. I hope things get better. No, 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 that's not the kind of hope I'm talking about. I'm talking about the hope that comes from your faith where you go, I don't care what it looks like. Sure as I'm standing here, God's going to do exactly what he said he's going to do. I've stood in faith for it. I'm not going to be broke all my life. I'm not going to be sick all my life. God's going to come through and do exactly what he said in his word. I've already received it in my spirit. I'm not letting go of it. Praise God. That's the difference. There's a certainty to it. And because there's a certainty, you don't have the human hope that says, well, if I, I'm hoping this will work out, but if it doesn't, I've got plan B. And if that don't work, I've got plan C. No, 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 no. Faith, there's no plan B. There's no plan C. You become like Elisha the prophet. He's called to go into the ministry. He's wealthy. He's got a business with ox. Very wealthy man. He says, I'm going to cut the tie with that right now. I'm going to go ahead and burn up the yoke of oxen, kill all the oxen, which is a whole bunch of them, 60 of them, and I'm going to feed the town. You know why I did that? Because he believed in God. And he had a certainty of his future, even though it had not yet manifested. That's what happens when you have faith. Just hoping, there are probably some benefits just to be hopeful, but I'm talking about a hope that comes from like this, the blessed hope. Jesus coming back. I don't care what happens overseas. I don't care what little aliens people think are out there. Jesus is coming back. 
period. Now, when you understand that, it changes the difference between just hoping for something and really grabbing hold of it in the right line. See, I look at it like this. It's kind of like you have a friend go out and they go on that dream vacation that you just want to go on. So they come back and tell you about it, but you don't have enough money yet for it. And so you go, man, I, I hope one day I'll be able to go on a vacation like that. That's human hope. But then, you, let's say you save up and you get the money that you need. And you buy the ticket. You're no longer saying, well, one of these days maybe I'll be able to do it. He said, no, I got the ticket. I got the ticket. And so we're going to go this date. It's going to happen. That's the difference between hope that has faith to it and faith that gives substance to what you hope for. Hallelujah. And I like to say this. Jesus owns the airlines. Jesus owns the tickets. Jesus, it all is under his feet. So when you use your faith, he'll purchase it all for you. And you can rest assured, praise God, just like Abraham this time next year, we're going to have a child. What? Come on, dude, you're almost 100. Your wife's past menopause. Give me a break. Nope, changing my name from Abram to Abraham. Oh, poor Abraham, he's got Alzheimer's. He knew for sure. That's why it says, contrary to hope, he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. As according as it is written, so shall thy seed be. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now, do you see what I'm getting at with this? In order to have this expectation that we're talking about, it has to be rooted and grounded in faith. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration in the, in the scriptures that will help you. Remember the story about blind Bartimaeus? Do you ever wonder why it mentions his name? Why would it mention his name? Uh, they mention names for one reason, to show the authenticity of it and to verify it that it's just not some story, but it is an actual event that actually took place. Here's a guy that in the community, they knew who he was, and he was blind. Remember? See, when you're blind, your hearing senses probably are developed more than all your other senses. And he heard in the crowd that Jesus was coming by. And you know the story. He starts yelling, yelling, yelling. And Jesus stops and calls him. And it says this unusual statement. It said that he took off his garment and threw it away. Now, that's significant because some have said this. That in the Roman Empire, what they did is they issued out garments for handicapped people. And they would wear these garments and it was like, uh, it would show the legitimacy of what they were doing. That they weren't fake. That they actually needed help. So when he took his garment and threw it off, he was saying no to that old way of life. Just like Elisha burnt the, the oak of oxen. Throw off the old way of life. Now what's powerful is that he was still blind. He didn't see until he went to Jesus. But this is the kind of faith you have to completely trust in Christ. Not anything else. Christ. And that's what he was doing. He was completely putting his 
faith in Christ. And Jesus said, you believe I can do this? He said, I do, I do, Lord. And he touched him, and he was healed of that blindness. I don't know what you're going through in your life, but I know this much, that the Word of God will work, and the name of Jesus will bring the miracle in your life. But some of you got to throw away what you're trusting in. You got to say, I'm not going to trust in my wisdom anymore. I'm not going to trust in my money. I'm going to trust in Christ. And in Jesus' name, Father, I'm coming to you. And when you do that, the miraculous is possible. The expectations have no limits. It's no longer impossible because with God, all things are possible. Everything happens when you have faith in his name. Healing, deliverance, it all happens. Listen to the power of this. John 14, verse 12 through 14 says this. Truly I say unto you that whoever believes in me shall do the works that I have done, and even greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. You know that one. But then he says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it so that my Father will be glorified. And then he repeats himself again. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, who's saying he's going to do it? Jesus. You think Jesus is on a vacation in heaven? Forget about it. Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is releasing blessings. He's releasing breakthroughs. He's making sure that what you used in the name of Jesus comes to pass in your life. He's sending the angels here and angels there. He is making sure that whatever you used your faith in his name on, that he said, I will do it, I will do it, I will do it. If Jesus says, I will do it, then I can rest assured, as sure as hell can freeze over, Jesus Christ will make it happen in my life. That's how powerful it is. Now let me close with this, because we want to pray for the officers here. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, and this is something the Lord really told me to impress you with. It says, I will stand like a guard and watch. I will wait and see what the Lord will say to me. I will wait and learn how to answer my questions. Now, here's what I want you to see. Whenever you use your faith in the name of Jesus... You have to stay in a state of expectation that God will answer the questions you need to accomplish it, that God will lead you in the next steps that you have in your life. It's when people stop expecting what you prayed for or stop expecting what Jesus said I will do for you, they miss the opportunities that God has sent. As long as you're in a state of expectation, you can be led. As long as you're in a state of expectation, you can recognize the opportunities that God is sending you in your life. But you have to see those things in your life. You're going to miss it. you got to wait on him and say, Lord, I'm expecting you will lead me. You will guide me. When God called me to the ministry. I expected him to lead me, and he did. Every day I was expecting direction, he gave me direction. Every time I get stumped, he would do it. He will do what he said he will do. 
and the name of Jesus will cure every problem in your life. Praise God. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.